1948, Columbia Records introduced its long play, 33 and a third Michael Groove record. The next year, RCA Victor introduced the 7-inch 45 RPM record. This was the beginning of the conflict between a full album and a stack of hits. Downloadable music has only increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with just the hits. This podcast makes the case for a deep dive into the satisfaction of listening to the whole album. All right, guys, we were supposed to do uh, Derek and the Dominoes this week, but every week somebody dies. And this week it was Billy Joe Schaefer. Last week it was uh, Jerry Jeff Walker. Yes, this is an emergency podcast. I really hope that Willie Nelson has checked in with his doctor. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> it's just bad, bad two weeks for the uh, the outlaw country people. Anyway, I, Billy, uh, obviously Jerry yeah. Jeff Walker is um, more famous, but uh, Billy Joe Schaefer is a huge uh, person in the whole. Uh, outlaw country scene and uh one of the greatest songwriters texas has ever made uh mm-hmm. definitely easily easily def- definitely in there with uh guy clark uh chris christopherson and towns uh, van zandt towns van yeah. zandt that's what i was about to say uh and uh um butch hancock uh, really yeah butch hancock not Willie. But anyway, a little background on Billy Joe Schaefer. He was born in Corsicana, Texas in August of uh, 1939. Uh, he, uh, he came to attention uh, in about 1973, just like last week with Jerry Jeff Walker. That was a big year where everybody was coming to Austin and starting all of this uh, business. Actually, uh, Billy Joe Schaefer went to Nashville, which is the exact opposite of him. But his big break <laughs> came when he uh, walked in uh, to a studio where uh, Waylon Jennings was recording. And he told the guy to go get Waylon. He had something to say to him. Uh, the guy the guy comes back with a $100 bill wadded up and said, here, take this and go away. And he tells the guy that uh, he can take that $100 and go tell Wayland to stick it in this place. And uh, so a little while la- later, Wayland comes out with uh, <clears throat> two Hells Angels on each side of him and asks him what he wants. And Billy Joe Schaefer says, I want you to listen to my song, and if you don't, I'm going to kick your butt right here in front of God and everybody. And right before the Hells Angels killed him, Wayland said, okay, okay, let's let's." I'll give you one song. You play one song, and then after I hear it, if I don't like it, you go away, and we never meet again. And if you see me coming, you hide. And, he, and Billy Joe Schaefer says, I think that's fair. And he played him uh, one song, and then he played him another song, and he kept playing songs. And before he knew it, uh, Waylon had decided to record all of them. And this changed his plans. He's working with Chet Atkins on something a little uh, flashier and more Nashville-y and yeah. ended up recording this album with just his band, which no one in Nashville did at that time. 
that album became uh, Honky Tonk Heroes. Long ago and far away In my old common labor shoes I turned the world all which way Which is almost all Billy Joe Safer songs. It is, in my opinion, Waylon Jennings' greatest album. It is, in my opinion, yeah. the greatest album in all of country music. Mm-hmm. And you just combined one of the best uh, songwriters in country music with, in my opinion, the best singer in country music. And yeah. I would never have gotten tired of that record and listened to it over and over again. Um, from then mm-hmm. on, uh, people started picking up his songs and singing them. Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson. I don't know why Chris Christopherson thinks he needs to sing anyone else's songs. Uh, <laughs> Elvis. Elvis covers. Elvis covers. Yeah. yeah well, uh, anyway, there was a bunch of great songs. He's he's just one of the tops. Uh, I don't know what who's in his class. Well, I would say you could put Chris Christopherson. I, I see uh, Billy Joe Shaver and Chris Christopherson as kind of very similar. And, and listening to him last couple of days, I, I've just one of the things I've always liked about him is he talks about trains, he talks about romance, he talks, you know, all the things that are cliche country stuff. There's always sort of this psychological part to it. You know, there's always this sort of, uh, why am I doing this? Well, like a uh, song I'm thinking about is Honky Tonk Heroes. Hey, hey. perfect like i'm about to go out and do this thing again i'm about to spend all my money again um make a fool of myself again why am i doing it i i think a big distinction between him and and uh chris christopherson um who i think isn't that who you compared him to yeah I, first of all i think billy joe's a better singer. Yeah, the devil made me do it the first time the second time i've done it on my own Give you that, and, and I think I think his his uh, I think he he continued to write. I mean, not to knock Chris Christopherson, but I think Billy Joe's deep into his his newer catalog has some really good songs. That guy was the real deal, you know. When you hear about his history, um, he he just uh, is pretty amazing. I read a quote uh, when you're talking about you know his uh, what is you know kind of the psychology of his songs. He said one time that he uh, that he wrote. He wrote most of his songs were written trying to get to try to get back into the house. In other words, he's <laughs> thinking about what he did yeah. that got it, that kept him out of the house, and he's trying to put in into song how how to get back in the house. Um, and he said, uh, and then the rest of them were written about trying to stay alive. I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna cross that river. I'm gonna catch tomorrow night. Something that's if if you've listened to Billy Joe Schaefer's songs and you're familiar with them, then it would be redundant for us to go over his biography because everything <laughs> right. in those, it's not like <laughs> yeah. most country music where somebody's trying to imagine being someone else. Uh, 
hitching a ride on a train or something. It's all what happened. Like I think of um, Fast Train to Georgia. I've been to Georgia on a fast train on it. I wasn't born no yesterday. I got a good Christian reason and eight great education. They don't need y'all treating me this way. Um, yeah, he said my daddy left me two day what two days before they had me and hit the road. And yeah, his his true. dad beat the hell out of his mom trying to kill him while he was yep. inside of her. Yep, left her dead in yeah. in a tank. Uh, and then yeah. he made it and he was raised by his mother and his grandmother, and she was picking cotton with the boy on the back and the girl in the front and a. A bag of uh, cotton, and uh, fortunately yeah. for everybody, somebody came by from yeah. the Green Gables and offered his mom a job, and uh, she ended up uh, attending bar while he sat there and learned to play the piano and sing songs. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean it's all straight out of Honky Tonk Heroes or any of those other songs. It's his biography. There's uh, nothing made up. I mean the guy did. Rodeo Cowboy, he uh, lost two fingers in the sawmill. Uh, it's yeah, none he of brings that up. He brings that up in that song, Working Man. Working yeah, Man. Yeah. There's some fingers that's gone all for one. I'm a rough as a cob, but I do a good job. Yeah, I am a hard-working man. Is it, true, is, it, is it true that he taught himself to play the guitar after that happened? I think so. Because he, I don't think it happened when he was very young. Yeah, I, th- I think he taught himself to play the guitar after he lost those fingers, which is pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty I mean, amazing, that guy, yeah. that guy, I think that guy, you know, I, I think he had more than nine lives. I think that guy, by any account, should have been gone a long time ago. I, I'd heard that they used to, when he would be on the bus with these other guys, they would uh, they would give him whatever drug they new drug they had because he'd try it and they didn't. They wanted to see how it would react. They'd give it to Billy Joe and see what happened to him, and he'd take it. And that guy was. Yeah, he lived yeah. a hard life. He, he how many times did he, he was married? He like, got married and divorced three times. His wife, mother, and son died within 18 months of each other. Jeez. Uh, his, his son, J.M., brought this up. Uh, J.M., talk a little bit about um, Tramp on Your Streets and that, how great that kid oh, was. And I saw how it worked so me. Just a tramp on your street. You must understand. He, he plays some great solos, but he his guitar fills would just make you, you boohoo. And he would do them on uh, his ballads on that album. He would do it, uh, Tramp on Your Street. Got that in, incredible organ solo in it. Um, to me, if you just want, if, if you need a starting point for, for Billy Joe Shaver, I would say that's the best album to listen to besides Honky Tonk Heroes band's great on that and it's just the songwriting tramp on your street that song alone is worth the price of admission fantastic song 
But I would like to point out that we recommend listening to the entire album and not hopping from hit to hit. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's amazing that he and Waylon never did anything else. But evidently, Waylon was, I guess, kind of jealous of the fact that people pointed out that Honky Tonk Heroes, that Billy, they wouldn't be what it was without Billy Joe Shaver. And he, he didn't particularly care for that too much. <laughs> Which is really sad, because imagine what those two guys could have done together, continuing. Well, Waylon does sing uh, on one of those songs on Tramp, Tramp on Your Street. Tramp on Your Street came out in 1993. Uh, Old yeah. Five and Dimers came out in 73. So there's 20 years, and there's a lot of good albums between there. The last album was uh, Long in the Tooth. I'm telling you, what is I'm long in the tooth. Long in the tooth, long in the tooth. Tell you, folks, I'm long in the tooth. I used to go back. Billy Joe Schaefer became a very committed Christian, and mm-hmm. it shows up in almost all of his music at at a certain point. And yeah, he has so many religious songs. Because well, Jesus Christ is my friend. Singing more songs about Jesus, my Savior, Jesus Christ, what a man. He talked about that always being there. It just came out later, more prevalent once, I guess, you know, life's, life's smacked him around a little bit. He embraced right. it more more openly. Yeah. It's, well, uh, I think the death, death of Eddie probably had a lot to do with that and the death of his wife. I mean, he did go through that point where he... <laughs> so, yes, there is a uh, infamous... He was... I was he was, so was going like, out and uh, trying to take. He's with his uh, ex-wife again, yeah. or they're, yeah. she, they're about to get divorced, and uh, he's out uh, t- taking photographs for an album cover. And uh, they stop into this bar, and Lorena, Texas. Yep, which is outside Waco, where he was living. And uh, guy comes in and starts pouring whiskey into everybody's drink, whether they ask for it or not, and stirring it up with a knife and uh, uh, being really rude. And before he knows it, this guy's talking to his uh, wife. They're not divorced yet. They're about to get divorced. He said he was out celebrating their divorce. And uh, (laughs) it escalated. And and what Billy Joe uh, Shaver said in the courtroom is that he was kind of like John Wayne. He has, he's raised like John Wayne. He's not going to take any of this kind of crap. So it escalated and the stories get really weird and divergent. Uh, Billy Joe Schaefer's saying that this was that guy's home bar. So everybody was naturally on his side, but one way or the other, the guy came out of the back of the bar where Billy Joe Schaefer was waiting for him. Billy Joe Schaefer says he was shooting at him. And sometimes he was saying he's waving a knife at him. But anyway, Billy Joe Schaefer ended up shooting in the face and uh, they went to uh, they went to court. <laughs> you know, uh, reasons you know no one knows he was acquitted. Yeah. For a self-defense. You know what he said when he got out? He was standing outside the courtroom and he said or the court, yeah, the courthouse. And he said uh, he said that hopefully they could they could work it out and become friends and maybe he'd get his bullet back. <laughs> Yeah, he he was worried that guy was going to walk around telling everybody he had that bullet and and use it. Well, you want to hear something else strange? Evidently, some he gave his fingers to some fan who yeah, put him in a that. jar someplace, 
and he he spent a good chunk of time trying to get him back. There was he was sitting in the he had the uh, fingers wrapped up in a cloth, and some some person came up to him and said, "Hey, can I have those fingers?" And he just said, "What the hell?" And he gave them to the <laughs> random person, and he never. <laughs> I, I'm guessing he was delirious. I mean, if I'd lost my fingers, I'm like, okay, yeah, these are nasty. I don't want them in my hand anymore. But also, also notable that the uh, trial was the fact that Robert Duvall and Willie Nelson were character witnesses. That's right. That yeah. probably had something to do with it, with him getting acquitted. And he had one of the best defense attorneys in Texas working pro bono. So, yeah. And you know who the first person to sing I Want to Live Forever was? I don't. Robert Duvall. Oh, yeah, he he did it in the movie. Tender, tender Mercies. Well, he's a great songwriter, and we lost another one. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, next week we can review an album that we've been planning to review for some time now. But uh, No more emergency deaths. Yeah, no more of these. Uh, we can go a week without a great... <laughs> Texas singer songwriter dying. That would be, that would just be great. Thank you, um, Tony. Yes, sir. I wanted to know what are the kids listening to right now. Well, uh, I thought I'd talk about this album. It was released in uh, nineteen two thousand nineteen by a band called the Cactus Blossoms. I don't know if either one of you have ever heard of them. They're from not Minnesota. Um, and they, uh, for lack of a better term, channel the spirit of the Everly Brothers. They, they, that's that's cool. close, that's I, you know, almost blood harmony. They're not related, so it's not quite blood harmony, but it's pretty close. Um, and they released an album called Easy Way in 2019. That's really great. Fantastic. If you like, if you like that kind of stuff, if you like close, close harmony, traditional, you know, sort of uh rock or not really rockabilly but uh the everly brothers sort of uh that spectrum of the country stuff then you'd really dig this uh album by the cactus blossoms uh, what the name of the album it is called easy way it's easy. Their, second, their second album yeah that's great yeah all right well i dig the everly brothers quite a bit yeah that will be an easy one to check out yep yeah, their 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 debuts is uh, good as well, but this is uh, this one was re- released more recently. All right, that's all for this right. is Vinyl Tap. This is Doug Cooper. I'm signing off. We got JM and Tony. You guys tell everybody good night. Good night, everybody. And remember, listen to the whole album. <laughs> <laughs>